they're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Hello, David Hellard. How are you? Well, before we say how are you doing, <laughs> coming up, coming up, we've got the lovely Alison Walker. Uh, if you don't know who she is, she did the smog gray rounds. If you don't know what that is, that's because it's only recently been invented. But for, the, for those people in cities. <laughs> That's great. You don't know what it is. It's just been made up. So it's been no made. reason why you would. <laughs> but um, yeah, Smog Graham Rounds, Bob Graham Rounds. Hopefully you've heard of that. Smog Graham Round because this is the equivalent of, uh, of sorts of the Bob Graham Round as much as London could do where you run to the highest peak in every borough of London, which actually is bloody miles. Um, so it's really interesting to understands um how how she did that because it it took, takes a lot longer than the bob graham rounds and i'm, I'm not going to say it's necessarily harder but i think it probably is um it's more challenging it's more challenging in a different way yeah in many yeah many many ways and uh and when she tells you the total ascent over the distance you're like oh okay <laughs> it's fine <laughs> okay <laughs> but the distance is far and the story is good so that's coming up that's coming up um how are you doing jody Rainsford? what's been happening with you i'm in pain oh gout emotional no, pain it's not gout actually no no i have although just a bit of a gout update i have had it confirmed that it was indeed gout from a from a blood test I mean, um, that, the, the people were on the edge of their seat. I think we were on the edge. Was it gout? Was it that. something else? Well, the thing is, yeah. the alternative that it would have been if it wasn't gout is worse. So it's almost, I'm glad that it is gout. Um, uh, the, so it's happy blood, news, celebration. That is celebration. Although blood tests brought up some other stuff, which is slightly more worrying. And I've got to go Ooh. back for some more blood tests. So a little bit of suspense there. Um, but at the same time, um, uh, my my teeth have started to i'm just falling apart i don't know what it is so listen um, listen there's a we were going to record this episode on thursday but i told david that i was going <laughs> to the dentist on on friday morning and so he moved it so that hopefully i'd be speaking uh as though i just had a bunch of surgery done uh I, it would have been fun it, it would have been, been fun. fun. It would have been fun, especially if I was then having to deal with the sort of the aftermath of all the anaesthetic. Maybe you should well. put some marshmallows in your mouth <laughs> for this intro, just to replicate a little bit. Play Chubby Bunny or something. I remember I had I I when I was in London, um, I didn't go to the dentist for like eight years or something, and I had my first dental appointment after that, and they had to put so many like fillings in it they basically just injected my face and i had to walk around for the rest i couldn't go into work it was that bad they had to inject my face was numb from like the eyes downwards for, <laughs> for, for, for about 48 hours or something i had to just keep injecting this anesthetic in in me i mean libby says you've never kissed the same again so <laughs> she might yeah. kiss you. i couldn't have told i wouldn't have been able to tell that's the thing i wouldn't, have, I wouldn't know what my face was doing so yeah so i've got 
I've got the delight of um, having a root canal surgery later on. Um, which, wow. Which should be, which should be a laugh. <laughs> Fun it's, times. It's, all, it's, it's painful, but not as painful as the bill for root canal surgery. Which I think I think they give that to you to take away the shock that you're actually going to have to have the surgery in the first place, which is insane. But enough about me. Enough about me. Enough about <laughs> me. What about you? I mean, that's nothing, nothing running related. But then who cares? What, what about you? True. It's still well interesting. Not really running related, but I was going to talk this, about this a while back, and I was wondering whether it's just too much of a moan from me. But you know, I I'm having issues with uh, with the NHS. <laughs> and with you Tory yes 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 scrap it scrap <laughs> it the thing is you're not going to be feeding <laughs> children <laughs> so have you the... fed any children over half term um have you I, I'm sure my Oxfam donations go somewhere I'm you sure they monster. do <laughs> but um so having having seen the specialist again and waited two weeks to receive an email of my exercises that I need to be doing. <laughs> I've been sent these exercises and there are over 15 of them <laughs> and they take about an hour to do. Is one of them press-ups? <laughs> I wish. Just because they're trolling you. That would actually, I don't mind something like that where it's a, a like a physical action that's easy to do and you can just get it done. Um, and whereas this is for example, Wait, what letting exercises are these that they're not physical actions? Well, are they metaphysical? Well, they, they are. They are. But one of them, one of them is I have to just stand up, clench my bum, and then slowly raise a can of beans in each arm to waist height, taking 30 seconds to do that. I don't know why. Can your arm, can your arms hold them for that long? I'm up to two cans, two cans per arm. I'm pretty pleased with that. I can't hold any more cans, and I haven't got any weights. But maybe I'll go for a wine bottle next. How big are your hands? How big? Um, how small are these cans? No, I, I do them. I do them um, in a row, so I hold the middle bits. But oh, um, okay, okay. but that's that's an example of one of the exercises. Or it's um, line your back, have your knees bent, and then let one of your legs from the centre go out to 20 degrees and then bring it back but to do that for 30 seconds for each movement 10 times on each side so that is one example of 10 minutes of my life out of the 15 exercises that are all just sprawled down without any arrow like any pictures any videos um they're really down to interpretation a lot of the the meanings i'm sure i'm not doing half of them right so, um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just a bit frustrated that I don't really, I don't have much faith in, and it's quite hard to do an entire hour's worth of exercises when they're so dull, so dull, and you don't really believe in them either. So, um, yes, I, I emailed back saying, it's, can you tell me, like, how many to do of these? There just seems to be no structure to it. Like, this is too many to, for me to feasibly do regularly, so therefore it becomes pointless. Like, which ones are these? And they just said one line back, just just break it up between two days. Great. Okay. okay. <laughs> so. That's exactly what you want, that kind of precision, don't you? Like, we believe, we, we believe in these so much, we're not even that bothered whether you do them all in one session. Yeah, so I've, I'm going to see them again in three weeks or so and it's going to be another one where they apologize and they look very embarrassed by 
the lack of change and I just sit there staring at them trying not to be really horrible to them or try, trying to pretend that I'm still a nice person. Oh, the joys. There seems to be a correlation between COVID and your injury. I, I wonder whether the health of the nation is somehow tethered to the health of David's running abilities. So what you're saying is the Chinese have come up with a way I've been listening to a lot of Trump recently. So the, the Chinese have, have, <laughs> really, have taken you? it upon themselves to injure me personally. So they've, they've spread this out to stop me from racing and claiming in a race that they may be podium in. It's, it's, it could happen. It could happen. I, do you um, know what this reminds me of? Colossal, that film. Have you seen it? Not heard of it. This is the description of it. Gloria is an out-of-work party girl who leaves New York and moves back to her hometown after getting kicked out of her apartment by, by, by her boyfriend. When news reports surface that a giant creature is destroying Seoul in South Korea, Gloria gradually comes to the realisation that she is somehow connected to this far-off phenomenon. So basically, what she is, is that everything that she does, this, this um, monster in Korea, um, mirrors... So she wow. doesn't realise until she sees this thing on TV that, that, you know, she's destroying career by, like, walking around and just, like, uh, having a cup of coffee and stuff like that. This is snapping <laughs> up career. So That's a really I, nice concept. It's, it's a really, really good concept. It's a good film. I really enjoyed it. Um, but it, I, I feel like this is COVID and David. COVID, David, they're actually very, very similar. I feel like your, your, your poor running health is somehow connected to the health of the nation. And when you get better, that is when COVID is going to, we're going to be lifted from lockdowns and everything else. Well, strap in people. It's going to be a long winter. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Winter, laughs> the NHS ain't doing anything, anything for this. <laughs> we will. Did you, um, did you see Biggs over the weekend? Biggs Backyard? The backyard ultra. I've, I've, all, I've already spoken to you about this. Look, I'm, I'm really interested in the concept of Big's backyard. We've talked about it. I think it's great. I'd love to compete in it, but I, the idea of following it for a start and people getting excited about looking at fucking spreadsheets, uh, I, I, it's just it, it's beyond me. It's like it's become an obsession now with people. What is wrong with you? <laughs> it's accountants, not me. If you you turn into accountants, you might as well go and do triathlon. Is that's if that's where what it's come to. I mean, it's, it's, I really liked the fact that, but did you know the nuances of the, the competition, how it actually worked country to country? No. So we, each country had a location where they did the event from, and they could have up to, I think, 15 team members, and it's the total yard, so a yard is a lap, um, run by your team that counts. But um, interestingly enough, the once you're once there's one of you left that's you done as a team so you could have the best runner on earth they get Camille Heron or someone yeah if she's running with someone who's useless and they stop at 40 laps that's that's where she finishes she can finish that lap and do one more lap and that's as far as she goes so interestingly, you actually had this, which is, which is quite nice in some ways, because you had, it ended up with being America against uh, Belgium, which I, 
I was quite surprised, a actually. Classic, a classic rivalry, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> got to think, they ever, they ever thought about anything? Um, no, probably not, but they... And so suddenly it changes where you had Courtney and Harvey uh, both being on the podcast, and they're no longer rivals because Courtney ends up... Um, Harvey ends up coming back a little bit into a lap. But up until then, Courtney would have been trying to, you know, looking after him and they'd have been looking after each other. And it's only once the other countries are out that it then becomes a competition between the two people. So just just backing up very quickly, just explain the whole concept behind just in case if if someone's joined this and they're not unsure about what Big's Backyard is. Every hour, you've got to run a 4.167 mile loop. That adds up to 25 laps is 100. No, 20 laps. I can't remember what it is. 20, 25 laps is 100 miles or something like that, or close to that. Um, a little bit over. So you you can run it as fast as you want or as slow as you want. But when the bell goes, when the whistle goes, you've got to be within the starting area. And what was quite interesting this year, because Biggs is its own event and these were satellite groups so you'd you'd see it streams um and I, and that was quite nice i mean there was some poor soul who was commentating throughout, <laughs> the, whole, throughout the whole of this what commentating and, overall for the whole thing um I, I i i checked in twice and he was there so i, I he can't have done it all the way through because he'd have had to have some sleep but it it is probably the worst event you can commentate about in many respects, because... Well, I don't know. Have you ever watched the snooker? But at least you're watching them do snooker. This is an event where for 55 minutes of every hour, you can't see anyone. They're all out running. <laughs> yes. And then they suddenly come in, and they're like, are they in? They're in. They're out. And you can't really spend that long talking to people, because they're probably trying to sleep. What's really interesting is because the, the sport is kind of evolving and actually this it seems to be the running event that's captured people's imagination, partly because you can't really get access to Barclay, it's not happening, but it's something that when can you actually cheer your country? And, and also, it's, you don't know who's going to win at any point, whereas you watch UTMB, someone might blow up, but the person in first probably going to win it. Um, whereas in this... You don't know who's leading. You don't know who's bluffing. You don't know who's going to have a second wave, third wave, fourth wave. But Biggs has been, people have almost settled into a strategy at Biggs of running 45 minute to 50 minute miles from the start. Uh, sorry, for, for, for the lap from the start and then trying to sneak some, some sleep in. Now, the Belgians did it completely differently and they ran faster a lot faster and then got more sleep oh, really uh, yeah it's really interesting they were they were running closer to between 10 10 minute miles quite regularly kind of low low 40s and typically people would be running late you know, higher 40s as their average yeah. and that just meant they could they could just nip an extra five minutes sleep again and again and again and again and I don't know why people haven't tried it before, at least. It's almost because it hasn't been going for enough years. A couple of winners had the strange strategy and everyone therefore assumed that was the way to go. And it's, yeah. it's only now we've got, 
I, I don't know if it would happen. This is their version of the Fosbury flop. They yeah. come up with the they come up with their alternative. And I don't know if that would happen if everyone was just at Bigs because I think people probably would have you know almost fallen into rank behind yeah. the, the more experienced people. Um, and and actually, you know, a 10, 11 minute mile is it's comfortable even when you're tired. And if you're at their level, it's really comfortable. So it, it, it surprised me it's taking so long, actually. But they went on to they smashed the record, absolutely smashed it. And because there were two of them, it meant unlike Courtney, they could keep on going. So they ended at Carol, who's been out to um, he's been out to Barclays before and, and to, to Biggs. He ran 500 kilometers. Whoa. 75 laps. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So um, Courtney tied the US record on 67 laps. There's an extra eight. Extra eight and he wasn't finished. You know, extra eight and that's when he was the last runner. So unbelievable by Carell. And it's interesting now they've, they've got this format, but the fact there's two of them together, hopefully that's going to push them on. And, and if, if Marin comes back next year, who knows how far they go, but bloody hell, poor lads having to stay awake and, and be seen and like engaged in this it must be pretty tough. But yeah, it, I, I do. I agree with you that it's, it's, it's pretty hard watching in many ways, but it's well, amazing once it's happened. I think, I think they need to spice it up. I think if we, if we do a version of it, we call it Biggins Backyards. And we all do it <laughs> in pantomime outfits. I like it. I like Because it's not going to be hard enough, is it? We've got and it to, wouldn't uh... make any sense to anyone else what that means. A unique <laughs> British take on it. <laughs> it's going to spread like wildfire, just like Biggins, just like Biggins. Now, have you seen quite a few viral things going around at the moment? We've had the... <laughs> I know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen the Cougar by now, which is... Quite amazing, really, that footage. It, the, it is. It, the noises he makes as well. Yeah. It's just, I, I, what is that technique of trying to get... It, it's, it's partly talking to the talking to it as though he's trying to talk someone off, a, off yeah. the ledge of a building. Yeah. And part, a series of whistles and clicks as though he's like... Uh, Kukuyu or something. I don't. I don't understand. I think. I think eventually the the cougar was just interested in. It, it, it's like he keeps talking to me. If he just ignored me, I'd go away. <laughs> he's saying all these weird things. And I loved. I loved how ballsy he was once he once the uh, once the cougar had run away. Yeah, I, I just I just can't imagine being in that experience. Yes, I think I forget that America has these savage wild animals and like bears as well i'm so used to lovely england where nothing can harm you that whoa 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 it... whoa 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 you see nothing can harm you once when i was doing the round the island ultra on the isle of wyatt i came face to face with one of those i don't i don't know what like them of the bullies it's like an aberdeen angus something and it had um, it was basically it got trapped on a footpath and <laughs> and it was go, it was going mad, and it had these like massive long horns, and and we we stood there, and we're like none of us know what to do. We don't know how to get past. There's no way of getting past it, and um and that's probably the closest. I tell you what, I didn't do. I didn't go. Ooh, 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 uh, 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 or whatever else <laughs> that he tries. 
that's, that's probably the most dangerous thing you can come up against actually running in a cow yeah probably well people do get trampled on don't they well, mind you if, time you, do, time. if you do if you do Thames Path 100, you have to go through Reading, and that's pretty. That's almost <laughs> the same as, uh, as as the Cougars. What did you What did you think of the spoofs as well? I mean, it was. Turn it on, like this is dreadful. Okay, I, I I get it, but you could at least have been witty with the the phrases, or like this is people will watch it just because. Well, because one of them kind it. of was a cougar, and then the other one was more of a drag queen. I'm like. I don't, I don't think someone understands what a cougar is. Like, you, you fundamentally misunderstood the cougar. <laughs> but, um, did you see the uh, the lady who ran a 5.25 mile where, while nine months pregnant? Yeah. Yeah, a bet. Again, a bet. A bet with her one week out from her due date. Amazing. Just incredible. She, I mean, she's a quick runner normally, but... The girls, the ladies I've shown that to, my friend Ali's uh, pregnant at the moment, and she she really can't believe it. It's like, she's just worried that that, that lady's never going to be able to control her bladder ever again. I wonder what, if the doctor was asked, or if, he, if it was mentioned. I mean, the good thing is it's breaking barriers, and it's breaking perceptions, isn't it, of what you can do while pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> pregnant women absolutely love the fact that someone's proved that you can run a 545 <laughs> mile. 525. 525 mile. I'm sure they're absolutely going to love that. <laughs> I'm sure of all the ways that they feel when they're, when they're pregnant, that there's some, someone who's, who's, who's breaking records like that. Amazing. Well, breaking records, another... Did you, we, we spoke about the world half and the fact that Mo was being called out for not going. There's been some pretty good times there as well. And oh, one of the... Uh, A lot of records being broken everywhere, aren't there? Ah, uh, and... Interestingly. Mm. My, I've just... I, I'm too sceptical now. And do badders, are you the same? Email us, uh, letters at badboyrunning.com. Like, do you still have faith in the times athletes are setting because there was one individual you, you are mad <laughs> <laughs> but there was one individual who came second i won't say her name and her time improved by almost four minutes to come second not and that that is a staggering amount given that she's run it, i could understand if it was her first half marathon or if it was a two mile event a really weird distance that you actually haven't got a good time before but she's running the, you know, she's run regularly, at least every year, a half marathon. And if, if I was to take four minutes off my time, I would be flabbergasted. But what, what, it's not, right. Let alone someone, someone at the it's, top. It's, it's, it's no one else talking about this. It's no one else talking about the fact that all these records are being broken and people have been in, you know, it's been locked down and everything else. What, what is the, is there anyone offering up reasons as to why, Everyone is knocking so many, so many minutes off all these records. I mean, it, it could be partly the trainers. And there have been suggestions um, that almost all the records now come of an asterisk to say these will run with or without these style shoes. OK, OK, that's a that's a that's a really valid. But still um, excuse. Almost four minutes is and actually uh, frustratingly, the, the trouble is, like, what can you do about it? And. We've had a situation where a few a few months ago we talked about um, 400 meter runner who came from nowhere was incredible 
turns out she has basically got away with it because of two technicalities. One of them, the tester knocked on the wrong door. Um, and the other time it fell because of the, the if they didn't three failures to, to take the test didn't fall in 12 months. They were just slightly out. And so it means she can go to the Olympics. And, and I guess that's the trouble with, we've got to follow rules, but I don't think anyone believes <laughs> that everyone knows what's happening here, but you've got to adhere to the rules. And so it, it's so tough because what do you do about it? And, and now is it just me losing faith? I, I, no, I no longer watch things like the Diamond League and, and various other sports just because I, yeah, it, is it just me? Um, let, let us know, do batters, because I don't know what they, you know, we, we spoke to, to, um, to Rob, who used to be with WADA, about, we've interviewed him <laughs> about he, the changes. He, he and, didn't allay any fears, did he? <laughs> no, I mean, he's, he's, he's left to try and form a, the, the World Athletics, of, a, almost a union for athletes to try and pressure to, to see change. But, oh, um, crazy, crazy. And, and the fact that people get off with a technicality, and, and I just feel for the, uh, the other runners who are going to be lining up against her. Yeah. And, and knowing that. And, and, and the trouble is, as we saw with the Tour de France in the kind of 90s, noughties, what happens when everyone thinks everyone's doing it? That's the real issue, is, is not just for our belief, but for young athletes coming in, you've got to be really strong to say no now or not yeah. to seek it out if you genuinely don't think it's a level playing field. So, yeah, you've um, got to be really strong to... Yeah, and, and then the, how do you then change that in a sport once it's embedded and yeah maybe on the other side of corona we'll see a way out of this and people can test more freely but until then times are going to continue tumbling yeah. yeah runners world should be doing more come on runners world come on runners world. why aren't runners world calling this out more often why aren't they <laughs> Why is Marathon Talk not calling this out more often? They Come might be. It. They might be. They might Step be. Step up. They might be. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they are. Well, talking about setting new records, that goes nicely to our guest. <laughs> yes. She didn't what take jobs today. Cheating. She what? took. She took McDonald's. That's all. That's all. Take it away, Nick. <laughs> So do bad as we've got a treat for you. Um, I've known Alison for, actually, I don't even know how long I've known Alison for because she's someone who you just see in passing everywhere, partly because she's constantly running. But you've probably most recently seen her yourself through her taking on the Smog Graham round, which is uh, well, a new a new round, really, of in London. And I wanted to get her on the podcast to really explain what it is, but also to really get an insight into what's happened in the last 18 months because she's gone from someone who wasn't an ultra runner to probably training more miles than pretty much anyone else I know outside of professional athletes so um welcome on the podcast the lovely Alison Walker yay how are you doing yeah good thank you you you? just before we we started before we often we always chat offline so you, you now having you having conquered London you're looking to leave London yeah it was kind of well i think with, with lockdown um we um we've been kind of rethinking our location uh and i think now it's like 
you're being able to like you're able to work from home a lot more mm. uh, we kind of thought well actually why don't we just work from home somewhere nicer I mean, not saying like London's not. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose it's, it's answered the question. Has uh, has doing the smog going around given you a new appreciation and love for London? Uh, we don't uh, know the answer. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, it's just just countryside, fresh air, some nice trails to run on, like not seeing people. Um, don't believe it though. Don't believe it. Like, have you ever lived in the country before? Yeah, we've it's... been doing like. Month it's not long London. Speech. That's the thing, key thing to remember. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but I think we're quite fortunate in the sense that we we'll still be like we we'll still have like the option to be in London. So um it's not really like a complete break from London. So um yeah, but I think where where we've actually just got an offer accepted today actually. Um Oh, congratulations. So, yeah, so we're actually going to actually move now. So it's all a bit surreal at the moment, but uh yeah, it's just access to things like the Pennine Way, Moorland. Like, it's just different. Uh, I won't say it's the easiest, but, yeah, I like a challenge. <laughs> so, so um, going back then, before we go into the, the small grand round, because you're, you're known for being kind of Vic, Vicky Park Harrier, um, same as the lovely Joe Dell, who's been on the podcast. Um, hey. And he, yeah, Dell's, uh, Joe's been on, absolutely. Oh, I need to go back and, and see it then. Yeah, and and also the the club is famed for um, the misogyny within the club, brought mainly by uh, Bruno, Bruno the misogynist. But um, no one else in the club. <laughs> it's Bruno. It's, just... it's Bruno. How are you there? Yeah, Bruno's Vicky Park. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah, he is. He's definitely Vicky Park. Even though he lives yeah, in Wolverhampton, he's definitely, oh, he's definitely a misogynist. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> we. I think the first time I saw you on your ultra journey was when Claire and I, Briggsy and I, had had cheated in the Beer Lovers Marathon and cut off 5K. And then you came past us running it, having already, I think, run there to get extra mileage in and then went on to just fly through it. Um, When did you decide to to change from just being, I guess, your, your typical club runner to actually taking on something like an ultra? So, um, yeah, before I started ultras, I was pretty average. Like, I mean, I was just scraping for our marathons, like, like at risk, like being part of the club. So I often really at the back of the pack in Vicky Park, really, because, um, you know, Vicky Park, like, they've just got loads of really, really good runners. Yeah. Um, and then I just got kind of really bored of, like, running marathons and, like, oh, good for age, championship, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I mean, it fits some people because they're clearly gifted and like, able to like run that kind of time. But for me, it, it was just kind of like banging on a brick wall. Um, and then I just thought, actually, after a marathon, I never trashed. And like, I always feel like I'm able to do a bit more. Um, so I started reading a few like ultra books. And this one is definitely the bad influence. It's um, Vassos Alexander's Running Up That Hill. Oh, uh, yeah, I've not actually read that one. Um, although obviously yeah. Vassos is a big name in there the UK scene um yeah and and like it was it sounded quite fun but also I think it didn't come with a caution in front of the book because I think he's a really good runner but he always makes it sound like really easy um <laughs> they, they all he always do. says oh they all do, yeah apart from us yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what we're here for <laughs> two injured presenters <laughs> 
But um, yeah, so he talked about this race called Spartathlon. And I thought, oh, you know what? This sounds fun. I want to like try and qualify and do it. Uh, the rest of the book, like, I, I think it must have been interesting, but it didn't really grab me. But this race stood out for me. And I thought, okay, let's look up and how to qualify. And I think I worked out that probably the easiest way to qualify was either a 100-mile race or a 24-hour race because the other the other, the other other qualification standards are pretty fast. Like, I think it was like a sub-10-hour 100K and like a 120K 12-hour race, which at that time, like, I mean... Here, here I am, like struggling to run sub four hour marathons. I can't, I couldn't brain doing a hundred k under ten hours. So yeah, then I decided I was going to sign up to a hundred mile race. Um, it's like a looped race. It's um run by um Saxon Viking Normans. I don't know if you've heard of them. Was it was was it out? Is that is that the one down in Tuting or? No, so it's like a they're like a race organizer. So um they got races every week. Um, and they had this 100-miler called the Samfire 100, which is down in uh, Dover. Yeah, so it's like a loop course. It's like three, three and a bit miles, and then, yeah, each each loop, and then you do however many loops you have to do um, to get to 100 miles. So I thought, one, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do 100 miles, so let's find one with a quick exit if I need to exit. Um <laughs> But that was your first yeah. proper ultra. Yeah, I did. I did. I did a um, warm up race before, uh, which was the Brecon to Cardiff, um, which was forty four miles. I think that was the three weeks before Sunfire. So like, I just kind of jogged it round um, mm. just to see if I can do more than a marathon. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, so it was kind of one. I didn't really know that many people who did ultras, so I didn't really like discuss like is this time achievable what do i have to do but then i i regularly trained with a group called run fast on tuesdays on the mullen track mm. so i don't know if you you know it's this guy called peter McHugh who runs the running shop um in houndstitch called the running works and he's a really nice guy he's like in his 70s still runs every day minimum doesn't he have records as well for doesn't he have world records age records I don't know. He doesn't talk about them. He always says he's like really slow and never really says anything. But then sometimes we Google things and we find out things about him. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm pretty sure because they made a documentary about Vicky Park, a little short one, and he was featured in it because he's he's so well known. I, I'm pretty sure he's an age age champion still or has records for certain distances. Um, yeah, I'm sure he does because why, I think he told so me coy? some of the. Huh? Why is he so coy about it? I think he's just quite like modest. Like he just Unusual doesn't like talking about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he he often talks about um him doing beachhead before and like coming in way under three hours and said, oh, now the beachhead course is less less hilly now. They've removed the hill. So <laughs> yeah, so I, like, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really say too much about his times. But I think he's done like a two thirty marathon at some point in his life yeah um, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's done a bit more actually but um actually maybe, yeah, maybe i guess when he was in his prime was that was an insanely good time yeah and i think at that time they didn't have like you know these shoes or like tech or anything. didn't have like, shoes just, <laughs> <but I'm not laughs> in, how old is he <laughs> yeah, the nikes 
um, or anything like that. So I think he, but he still runs every day, like runs an hour a day. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't have a good experience with the coach before. And then um, he then offered to coach me because uh, I was going to the track anyway. And he was like, look, I know you try and put in the work and stuff, but like not really seeing results. So um, we can put in your plan and see how it goes. Like, he, But he doesn't really coach any ultra people. Um, but I was just like, you know what? I've just given up. So why don't you just like do whatever you think? I need and, and when you say you, you'd kind of given up on, had you done the hundred miler by that stage? Or no. So this was okay. all new. Yeah. Um, but I had badly sprained an ankle uh, just before I started with him. Life fell and then broke two and a half ligaments out of three. I think they're like three big ligaments in your in your ankle, and I've torn like two and a half out of three. And then oh. the consultant said to me, like, look, you're not gonna be running again unless you have surgery and I was like no not so um so yeah so I was in pretty bad state when I went to Peter um and uh, at that point like I think I ran my worst marathon and thought you know what like just give up I'm just gonna throw my shoes away just can't be bothered like um so yeah he really picked me up from there and then um he was like look if you want to do an ultra you should go and do a marathon and I bet you you're gonna have a PB um, if you follow my plan um, and sure enough six weeks he beasted me it was like six weeks. Every day. yeah yeah from from yeah. that injury uh yeah I mean I was back running but I okay. still had a bit of a twinge but he said look under my plan there are no excuses you take the pain <laughs> like I don't want to hear excuses just just do it and I was like okay fine that's what you need David in this situation <laughs> Yeah, get up and just run. <laughs> but I think, so because I've been going to the track for a few years, like just for fun, like I don't really like, you know, push myself too hard and stuff. He kind of m knew the measure of me. Like, so I think he worked out like what I could do and what he could do with me in a short space of time. So he then said, look, for six weeks, I'm going to give you a plan. Like, please follow it uh, and you'd be surprised. And the, was that... Yeah. And what was how did that differ from what you'd done with the club or like was it just the intensity or were there other refinements? No, it was more I think I had really I don't know, like he there were only two two or three sessions a week. Um but they weren't too bad. Like I think there were within the six weeks I had to do uh two ten Ks at half marathon pace and two half marathons at marathon pace. Um, there wasn't too much track work or anything like that. There were some hills, um, but the premise was run every day, minimum an hour, do not stop. And um, that is, that's tough, what he's asking you to do. Because I, yeah. I think if I was doing my peak marathon training, doing 13 miles at marathon pace, I, I wouldn't be able to do it during training. Like I'd get to maybe 10, 11 miles, and that would be as far as i go um so i mean yeah. that in itself is yeah impressive but i think it was more what you perceive to be marathon pace it wasn't because mm. at that point we didn't know what marathon pace was so he was like just think what you think it should feel like so i mean the good thing with him is he i don't upload my my workouts on strava or whatever and he doesn't look at them he just trusts that you you do them um so there's a lot of trust involved and there's also like good feedback so i think you see him quite often so he knows like is she tired can she do it or like oh looking all right like um 
yeah so i think the way that he coaches me is like he wants you to learn about yourself as well so it's not too much spoon feeding it's kind of so these are the key sessions you have to do i trust that you you will do the rest um yeah and i think there was one really long run that he wanted me to do which was um marathon distance uh which i know a lot of coaches don't believe in but he does and i think it really helps basically like in the lead up to a marathon like four weeks out you do a marathon distance run um not 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 at speed or anything Mm. Um, but just so that your body doesn't get shocked on the day did that almost tweak your interest in seeing because because that could have actually kept you in your comfort zone and returned you to wanting to do because if i if i suddenly took time off my marathon i'd be thinking right what can i do against my club mates what can i do against <laughs> all these other people because actually a lot of the reasons why we run is is because of com- competition and partly approval and so going into a longer distance where actually you're not going to get any of that feedback or, or any of that at all. Like we almost tempted once you, you had this speed to think, oh, actually I'm going to now take on those people I've always wanted to take on. Yeah. I mean, it, it did, it did, it did spark a bit of interest, but at the same time, I was really curious at what my body would do at a hundred miles because at the end of that, that marathon, I, I felt good. I could run the next day, no problem. So, um, he very quickly identified he was like look your recovery times are like ridiculous like you know you could just keep going um and he said to be honest with you i don't think marathon is your to your distance <laughs> he said it quite like point blank and he said like probably the best distance for you is 100k and above um and yeah he said if you want to take more time off your marathon we definitely could but you could do it even as, as a training run. So I was like, okay, fine, we'll just go back to ultra training then. Um, so yeah, and then we we did some really horrific sessions um, leading up to the 100, but it wasn't as bad as what he started making me do this year. Um, I mean, and yeah. what would those sessions be? Because um, in terms of time or in terms of intensity or the combination? It's just a back-to-back long runs and it's mm. like 20 mile long runs. So it's quite long. Mm. um and then there were he he brought back um speed work like track tempo um and hills on saturday um because he said i know you're not going to run this kind of speed on the choose on, on your ultra but when you're tired at like 90 miles this is what it's going to feel like so you need to learn mm. take the pain and i'm like oh, great thanks peter um <laughs> so yeah like, what do you think he's getting this? Because he does sound like a very wise trainer. And, yeah, he is. But, but as you say, he's he's not necessarily experienced in the ultra area. Like, do you, do you think he's just had that much experience that he can apply it to that, or or do you think he's also was he having to research things himself, or was he tapping into other people? So I think he used to work with um, this guy called Tom Payne. I don't know if you should you yeah. know him. Yeah, Aaron Shamani. Yeah, lovely guy. Yeah. So uh, they used to work together and I think he had bounced some ideas off him, um, but not, but I mean, to be fair, the first hundred is getting to the finish line, isn't it? Like it's not, it's not so much about time. Although I did have the secret like um, goal of going sub 22 because that was the Sparta qualifying time. Um, But yeah, I just kind of just trusted him. I said, I would be really happy if I just finished it. I wouldn't because with the ankle, I don't know what's, 
what it'll do like will it swell mm. at like mouth 60 because it's the ligaments are not working or like um yeah but i don't know because he's so experienced like i don't mm. think there's any other coach who has that kind of experience of like training people and he he seems to be really reactive to how your body performs so that like, he knows like he knows when i'm tired when he sees me on the hill and he's like mm, something's not right like you're not you're not coming through this point at this time so tomorrow like take the brakes uh, put the brakes on or like a few um, miles off your run or like take it easy um yeah so yeah i don't know like and how, how did that first out. hundred go then uh yeah I, I mean the weather was horrific it was like it was like do you remember the big half last year when yes yeah really yeah so that was that weather the night before the day before as well um and the portaloos fell over and stuff so it's really been <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, mm, there's not a site I want to see, but never mind, almost done now. Um, oh, as in almost so, done now yeah. as in you were in the Portaloo, or almost done now as in, <laughs> as in the race no. is almost done. <laughs> yeah, as in the race was almost done. But like, <laughs> yeah, I managed like 21.36, which wasn't too bad. Um, wow. So given that you were going, because that's quite a bit under target, given that that was your A goal. Yeah. Um, but when I told Peter, I was like, yeah, I hit target. He was like, yeah, it's a bit off my target. I was like, <laughs> did he, he did you know what he's <laughs> Yeah, he, he like, sounds like Yoda. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think he, he, he said, like, I thought you'd be like under 20 or something. I was like, hmm, in that weather, what? I don't think. <laughs> under 20? <laughs> I don't do know, you, but. Do you think he meant that? Or do you think he was. sprained ankle. Amazing. <laughs> Do you, do you think he, he genuinely meant that or do you think he was also was that coaching to try and oh, yeah, g you it's up a psych, it's a psycho a psychological uh, thing he's thinking strategically for your next races yeah i think so but it was kind of he was like you know if you didn't have that wind like blowing against you the entire time like because it was a loop course so you will hit that wind like every loop Mm. So he was like, look, if you didn't have that, I was like, never mind, Peter, I got my goal. Just just shut up. Let me rest. Um, and then, yeah, it just, um, yeah, and I didn't have, like, the right kit either. Like, it was pissing it down with rain. I didn't have a waterproof jacket. Um, and it, like, it was, it was just really, like, shambolic at the end because it started mm. raining. I got cold. And then my husband was having to, like, run out with his Berghaus, big Berghaus coat and just like putting it on me. He was like, look, last lap, just put it on and just like death march it to the finish. Like, it's fine. And then people were passing me hand warmers. Like, it was just, yeah, it just wasn't, yeah. I finished like looking like the Michelin man because I had like 10 layers on from people's clothing. <laughs> yeah, I, bet just... glad, I bet you were glad you did a, like a, 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 that kind of lap course or whatever for your first because that must have... yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, because at least you can adapt, or people can help you when you're when you're doing that. Um, otherwise, that yeah, would be horrific. Exactly. Yeah, which was why I chose it because I, I I was like I don't know how like I might have to drop out like I don't know. So like I always rec like if people are like scared of like doing hundred miles, just do a lap course. Like after fifty miles, it doesn't really after like no actually after the marathon, it doesn't really matter where you're running because everything hurts anyway. So you might as well just. I don't know. I think. And did, did you get a sense 
did you get a sense from other people though? Because like it's it's lovely to have everything there and the the energy and support, but actually it's also the it's got the safety net, but it's also got the door you can walk out of on every lap. Did you get a sense that that was was that was it helping people more than it was hindering the fact that it was so easy to bail? Yeah, it was, and also you faff around a lot more. <laughs> because the stuff is there right yeah. and then you like overpack and you're like oh maybe maybe i'll just change this or like i'll take this or blah blah so like i wasted lots of time going oh what snacks do i want and then like yeah it just rather than you know just caning 10 miles and then like or get to the next aid station and pick up stuff it mm. was every three miles i could have around my bag so um, did, did you did you set strict rules with yourself then to try and um no. limit that no i was just trying to like stop the wind um so yeah i, I do faff around a bit but yeah and i, I could see that pe some people took a nap as well so like, i can see that having laps might be bad for you but i didn't give myself the option of a nap mm. um because i was like no the, the longer this drags out the longer I, I don't get to sleep in a bed so i just wanted to, <laughs> to go back but yeah it's just yeah, I mean, it's and, a good experience. But. And then, because I, I think I've read somewhere when you were, you just seem to be constantly doing insane miles. And, and actually, what, what I find quite interesting about your training since then that's been upped is that you almost are in a battle with Facebook friends about your training plan because everyone you know is, well, not but a huge number of people you know who care about you from Vicky Park. And we've all been trained in these certain rules and we have all these little um, stats in our head about recovery time. And, and you're almost having to fight against them with what you're running every day um, and justifying yeah. it. And I mean, like, and I think that is, that is the problem is that you have so many people who are so loud in on social media and so loud saying, oh, I'm a coach and therefore I'm right. Is that like, I'm sorry, but your coaches have been injured i have not been injured for the last two years churning out 100 mile weeks like i don't know like yeah so it's just kind of during covid they're like oh you know you're gonna wear your system down you're gonna catch it i'm like really like i'm used to it like we're taking intensity down yes the mileage is still the same but also you don't have to say like i'm gonna catch covid like it's just not a very nice thing to say um mm. And yeah, I'm constantly having to like when people, which is why I'm off Strava because I'm just fed up of like going. Oh, that's a lot of mileage for a recovery week. I'm like, like and if my coach is not complaining, I'm not complaining. Then actually, just shut up. Like, <laughs> um, and, and do you, do you think that's driven by concern, or do you think it's also, is it people who are trying to justify to themselves what they're doing? Maybe a mixture of both, but. I mean, the way I say it is always everybody's different. Like, and my coach has got a measure of what my body's like. And I'm, I mean, I'm not the most talented runner, but I do put in the work. And unfortunately, it takes me this many miles to be decent. <laughs> um, and if I don't run these miles, I feel really sluggish and I can't, I can't, I can't run properly. Um, and how, how have you managed to fit it in? Because when you know I've, I've done 100 mile weeks and a little bit more at times but it's it's always because i know it's for this short period and you seem to have been sustaining it for a far longer time 
is is that now your new yeah. normal and and like how have you managed yeah. with work and what have you sacrificed so um i normally do a lot of commuting miles so uh i know vicky park to st paul's is only three miles but then i get up early and then i do a loop along the canals and then go along the river so it makes it 10 um and that's my recovery monday run and then tuesday i double run so I, again i run into work and then in the evening i do some kind of speed session i used to be tracked before covid and then yeah and then wednesday again it's like 10 to 15 miles like it's not it's not that hard to fit in in london because it's mm. flat and i don't know like compared to the trails here it's a lot it takes longer um but in London, like when you're just churning out flat miles, it's actually quicker to run into work than to take public transport. Well, it is, um, it is if you live in uh, in East London, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, because and, and, so, uh, East East London so badly connected that you often have to walk quite a distance to get to the tube. So actually, instead of walking that twenty minutes to the tube, I could actually be running like during that twenty minutes. Yeah, and um. The way Peter always says to me is like endurance running is like a lifestyle. Like you just you just fit it in. Like just don't don't give your ex yourself the excuse to like not do it. Um, and have you have you got any kind of little like, kit tips that you've you've picked up on how, what you run with, how you know, things like not being able to shower at times, and have have you managed to adapt to that well? Ah, uh, so um, my work has uh, has lots of showers. So Monday, I normally just bring all my kit in and uh uh run back and then yeah just r run into work and shower there i've never not had to shower so i don't know what that would be like because uh, <laughs> i'm a really heavy sweater so like i cannot not shower yeah, you mentioned you recover quickly uh, like, do you do you think that's for any do you think is that mainly just genetics or do you think there's certain things you do that really allow you to bounce back I don't know. I haven't done any tests or anything, but I like. I'm quite sensible with my eating, so like, I eat like a horse. Like I just literally eating all the time, um, and then I do sensible things. Like if I'm double running that day in the morning, I'll have, after my morning run, I will have a protein shake, and I normally use some um, Univet products, which are like um, they're really scientific, and it's got like turmeric and stuff in it. And yeah, I mean, I just eat a balanced diet as well, so I think that really helps um yeah because i find the problem is if i don't eat properly or like if it's busy at work and i forget to snack then that's when i like feel quite fatigued but if i eat normally like eating all the time then it's not so bad and, um, and do i remember peter once saying that he doesn't cattle run in, unless it's more than an hour yeah unfortunately that's his rule <laughs> so, uh, what does that actually mean is it that literally that clear cut or uh well he always just says like make sure you run for at least an hour maybe because i'm slow i don't think he says that to like the faster runners in the group who run like seven six minute miles or something because that would be the 10 mile run every day mm. um but yeah it's kind of yeah I, I don't know where he gets it from but i just kind of okay peter yeah it's fine um <laughs> it's, it's basically it's it's not individual runs it's just each day you need to do at least an hour uh yeah and each individual run must be over an hour well even speed session and and your your half marathon pace things and yeah because you've got to 
warm up to the speed session and then cool down. Oh wow! Yeah. Now, do you um, how did the Smog Graham round come about then? Uh, so I got bored in lockdown. Really, uh, everything was getting cancelled. Um, and then I done a few other FKTs at, in lockdown, and I thought, actually, you know what, I'm going to do something big, just for fun. Uh, uh, so yeah, then I started searching the FKT website, and uh, one of my friends, David Bone, I don't know if you know him. No, yeah, no other, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he had done the London Loop, and I had crewed him for 40 miles, so I basically did the night section, got the great fiat sh- shift, um, and uh, yeah. So I thought, actually, this is quite fun. I might do my own. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and so just for the listeners at home, what, what exactly is the Smog Ram Ram? So it's, I think Runners World did it a few years ago um, mm. as a relay. But I think the loop was shorter. It was 150 miles. And what you were doing was you were running to the peak of every borough, uh, which is like 32 peaks in London. So the loop is like 297k or something ridiculous like that. Um, but yeah, some of the peaks are not really peaks because um, <laughs> Tower Hamlets is literally like you're just running. <laughs> yeah, there. what's the so, peak in Tower Hamlets? Is it like the top of a building or a car park it's or top something? Of the ta- no, no, was it Tower no, of London? It wasn't. It was just, <laughs> there's no Shoreditch. Like one of the streets behind Shoreditch, like it's pretty flat, right? Like yeah, yeah it's just literally one of the one of the roads. And, and what kind of ascent is collective over all of those? Does it does it slowly build up on you? Uh, I think it was like three thousand one hundred meters or something. It wasn't very much. <laughs> yeah. Whichever three hundred k is not bad going, is it? That's a... No, because I was running around here up up here in the north. Like basically every run is like one thousand feet. Like yeah. so, yeah. So what, um, what, are the, what are the highest peaks then? Is it was it like Primrose Hill or? So actually no, it's not Primrose Hill. It's um, you know, it, just behind Primrose Hill, like the west of Hampstead, mm. um, there is a, a just next to Kenwood House. So that's oh, yeah. the peak. So apparently Primrose Hill is sixty meters under that peak. Really? Yeah. And then you would think that Greenwich was the peak, wouldn't you? But it's not. It's um, in Oxleyas Wood. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And and so it's, it's the route set then, how to get between each peak? Or did, did you sit down and have to actually figure out which way you wanted to run it? Because there's a huge variation between paths and roads across the city. Yeah, so I think Rick Pearson had, had, had uh, mapped out the route based on, like, the nicest route so you don't have to run on a roads too much uh so yeah you kind of hit bits of the capital ring and a bit of like the london loop and some of the other fkts that i've done so like some of the routes some of the inner london streets look quite familiar because it was like following the london loop or the capital ring so um yeah but on paper it looks easy but actually navigation on that course isn't the easiest because as you know, like London, like by the time you get to the bottom of the street, you've got to turn right or turn left on you. So unless you've wrecked every single aspect of that 297k, which is pretty impossible, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, you're basically turning like quite a lot. Yeah, I hadn't thought uh, that because because navigation is is so different to any other FKT because 
you might have, say, on some of the Bob Graham round, there are points that you, you need to know the error to navigate because the paths aren't apparent. But actually, the, the opposite is London, where you have paths everywhere, and there are. It, it's not. A tr it's not figuring out where to go. It's figuring out which ones not to go down more than anything else. Yeah. So there was a lot of like, we go down the street, and then my watch would go beep beep wrong way, and you've got to like turn around because like my my navigation is a breadcrumb navigation. So yeah, it tells me to go like forward, but it doesn't say which street. So um, yeah, it's not. It wasn't the easiest navigation-wise, because like yeah, I mean when you run through estates and stuff, you, you need to know which road to take when you. Um, so how much of it had you checked out before then? Did you did you have a sense of the areas? So I checked out the last fifty k because I thought I would be delusional by then, um, and I was. <laughs> so. Um, I think you see lots of these comments about McDonald's. That's when it happened. Um, in the last <laughs> We're going to get onto that because there's been about 50 questions about McDonald's that I'm very intrigued. <laughs> One from Jay Dale, in fact. But um, so, so where does it start then? And how do you plan for something like this? Because there's a huge difference between somewhat, something like the Pennine Way, where you know there's the set crot junctions, whereas actually London. In, in similar to running around a track, you can stop at any point anywhere. So uh, did you have paces? Did you have specific times you decided people were going to be there with food? or? Yeah, so because it's a loop and the loop passes by my flat, I chose to start and finish at my flat. Um, <laughs> nice. Now that's which the is best just like run, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I was like, why, why make it difficult for yourself if you can just start from your front door? So... Yeah, I, and basically all the FKTs that I did in lockdown all went past my front door, which is why I did them. Um, so no one can say, oh, you shouldn't be travelling. It's like, yeah, I was doing my run anyway, so like I was just leaving my front door. I was um, just out for a 300-kilometre jog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so um, we, we did have crew. Like, I mean, I've never done anything like that before, so like I know my operation needs to be slicker. Um, like, I didn't... Uh, so for the first like 20, I had people with me the entire time, but I think I need to have two people with me the, like for each leg, mm. um, just because I ended up faffing a lot because um, after 60 miles, my husband then took the car out because uh, I was outside of London so that like, he could actually drive around. Um, whereas the first like 30, 40 miles, you were pretty much still in central London. So I wanted to, I started at 5 a.m. because I wanted to clear central London before everyone woke up. So, but, well, I mean, how far out does it actually go then? Because I haven't really got a sense of what, so I know there's 32 barons, but. Yeah, we went out to like the North Downs Way and then Epsom and then I got as far as like Watford. So, and then, um, uh, Essex as well so it went out quite far so um, uh, yeah David, know, like, David didn't realise London went out that far <laughs> he's just like what? <laughs> what zone 3? <laughs> no I think it must be like I don't think you can you can take the, the, the tube anymore on some of these places yeah I mean um, those, those places wouldn't consider themselves London like Watford, no. Epsom certainly not Certainly not North Downs Way. Um, mm. I think I was at, at one of the. Um, where was it? Because I paced a friend three weeks, three or four weeks before that, on the North Downs Way, and I met him at Knockout. And then I saw signs to Knockout, and I was Knockout. like, 
Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure, like, when he said North Downs Way, like, that's not London. And we definitely didn't take, couldn't take the train there. We had to drive there. So we're definitely not in London now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and so, so I'll see Knockle at some point. So what kind of percentage of the route would you say is on roads and in areas that we consider, like a city? And and what percentage is kind of suburbs and then actually kind of trails and, and, and nice? So I think it's 50-50 trails and road. And only the first 40 miles, no, the first 30 miles was central London. And, um, and what was your strategy in terms of fueling and what you were carrying and then how often and what you'd, you'd pick up? So I, I had a crew change every 20 miles or so. Um, and after, after we exited London, uh, Matt was driving around and was trying to like leapfrog a few times. He did go back to sleep like on the second day and then came back out. So that was a bit of like, yeah, I mean, we, we hadn't really, I think looking back, I think we thought that logistics were a bit amateur because um, I have quite a few friends up north who like done big FKTs. Like one of my friends did the Wainwrights to 500s recently. And that was a massive operation. Like basically the van didn't leave the course. And like, mm. yeah, it all sounded like military and like really like well, well organized. And he was like, next time you're doing FKT, I'm going to come and like tell your crew what to do. All right. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so, um, I first start, well, I'm, I'm, my stomach's quite good with gels and like I found a brand of gels that are really good for me. Well, doesn't mess up my gut. Um, they're Unived gels, so like they're like vegan and like um, very natural. Um, and uh, I also had like things like Percy Pigs and uh, Luchos, Delitos, and um, yeah. So I tried to not have caffeine for the first hundred miles or so um, because Which once is you start still... having caffeine, I was talking ahead. Sorry, but once you ha- start having caffeine, you've got to keep taking caffeine. And I wasn't sure if I could, my body could handle like 40 hours of caffeine. Yeah, I mean, you're going to quite quickly hit some, some physical limits, aren't you there? And, and was, it, was it easy to find things like water on the way around? Uh, Did you have to pre, pre-plan that or was the back seat just full of litres of it? Yeah, the back seat was full of water and the crew also brought water. So, yeah, it wasn't too bad, actually, like... And also, you're never too far from a shop. Mm. So all the routes that you're running, like you're never too far from a massive shop. And um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that was the problem. I think the problem mostly was like our logistics weren't that slick. So like, I was having to like faff around in the car and like, I don't know, just wasting lots of time and then getting lost and then. Um, yeah, so I think that really like took a toll on me because like, I was constantly having to like worry about where are we going, are we lost? Mm. And then sometimes when I'm doing that, I forget to eat, so I had to put a, an alert on my watch, just like every thirty minutes, beep beep beep, eat. Um, so yeah, and I've, I missed a few of them. I don't know how, maybe because it was quite loud on the roads and stuff, so you kind of didn't hear it or whatever. Um, and and was did you find it because I guess my worry is that you're then suddenly like, well firstly how did you find it after 24 hours you know you're suddenly going to new terrain uh, new territory in terms of the, the, the number of hours you're running but also my worry would be being on London streets when 
you're that tired and your balance and your decision making like how do you feel that is as an experience uh it wasn't too bad after 24 hours i think i was a bit demoralized after the first night because we got so lost and like there were there were we had to go through some golf clubs and they were they were shut and I think it was private land anyway, so you probably wouldn't be able to go through them. But when it's dark, you can't really see where you're going. And, like, it's quite hard to work out, like, do I just go through these woods or not? Or, like, so, yeah, I felt a bit like, oh, we just wasted so much time. Like, I've just gone to sleep or something. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit. Whereas in a race, you just you just carry on, don't you? You just mm. go to the next checkpoint or, like, a marshal will be like, no, 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 you're on track. Just, just keep going. Whereas, like, I guess most of my paces came from East London and we were in West London. So we were kind of, mm, where are we? Uh, do, you, do you think, do you kind of, reg- would you have changed your strategy for navigation? Would you have gone with break? Will you go with break clumps if you're doing it again? Or would you, do you think you need someone with a phone or someone with a map? I think ideally I would have had a pacer who had recce that area. Mm. Um, because yeah, I had another pacer on the second morning and he had done a very thorough recce and basically like I didn't have to think about anything. I just followed him and just kept eating. But I think at that point I like I was quite down, like because I was like, Man, wasted so much time, like I won't be able to get back like these like four hours back. So I was like really, really down and then mm. went into the second night and then I don't know, like um my feet swelled like quite a lot because i've never run more than 24 hours before and um my shoes really hurt and then because i i'm i'm supported by innovate and i forgot to like to say oh no i need another pair a bigger pair but i was too late because i'm really out in the middle of nowhere and yeah so in the end because my husband's shoe size is one size up from mine so i took his um but men's shoes are slightly wider so yeah it wasn't the perfect fit like after 120 miles or whatever but i was like you know what actually this doesn't hurt me as much as wearing my the shoes that have like basically like swelled over um because it just felt like i was like my feet were being tied up or something Mm. so um yeah so i just wore his shoes but yeah now we know like when we go over 24 hours i need like a whole size up rather than just half a size up do you, um, do, you have, do you have big feet or does he have tiny feet? If you're only a one size apart. I have big feet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a size eight. So, um, yeah, it's quite big. Um, but, yeah, it was really nice because, like, I mean, things were swelling that normally don't swell. And um, so Joe Dale came, like, uh, about where we were. And then he, like, took a train and then cycled to us and then, like, gave me a rub down, which is really nice because, like, I was like, oh hi and uh yeah i'm in trouble but like after he gave me a massage i was able to run again so that was really nice um but yeah so um yeah it's just really nice to see like friends like being quite supportive of like the random stuff you do mm. um, and like all the crew as well like would, like come out like and it's, do you think that's room. is that just as challenging because with um with a lot of the other trials say you're doing one of the rounds um people tend to have run a lot of those areas anyway and there's a bit of a community around supporting those routes so actually having someone that can navigate or can easily get to those areas to learn it or, or get a better understanding is, is 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 quite a lot easier whereas the trouble is that very few people because the route is quite weird and quite random 
it's really wide as well like i mean even if you have a west london friend like how would they know how to like navigate epsom on yeah. the golf courses around there and also what we also, what what we also had that we didn't expect was wildlife um so we went into a field and we got chased by horses um, <laughs> and then we went onto the next field and there were like cows in the middle of the path so yeah it's like hmm did not expect this to happen so um <laughs> and, and what yeah, kind so of view did it give you on on london and the the different areas uh it was as i expected i guess like when you go further out it's a bit more country um but yeah i feel like um the central london is like it yeah i've really been through quite a lot of them because um, i did the capital ring before so mm. i knew what to expect but um what i really liked was some um, the bits of essex that i had recce before um so there are quite a few country parks. There's Haynock Country Park and um, Havering Country Park, which I've never been to. But it's beautiful around there. It's like, you know, really nice trails and like big hills. And um, yeah, it's just really nice views. And, um, and Havering is where they do the uh, Spitfire Scramble. It's, it's massive, isn't it? It's like, it feels it? like you're properly out in the world, even though you can get to it by tube. Oh, can you get to there by tube? Yeah, I think so. Oh, wow. But well, yeah, well, that's, really well nice. that's what Danny was advertising. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a mile jog from the tube if yeah, you are. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and, but those areas are like really nice, and like they're actually like proper hills. Like it's not like you know the Tower Hamlets that like, just just jog up the street. <laughs> um, but no, you go through Pole Hill as well. So that last fifty k, like I knew it really well. So because I, I had wrecked it, because I knew it was going to be tricky coming out of Hainault because um you had to cross a golf course and through that there's a bit of like mangly forest things that you had to like trod over so you kind of so when i wrecked it i knew i had to concentrate on like knowing which angle to take it at so um yeah it's just little things like that and i wish i did the same with the epsom section which we lost quite a lot of time on and and what point did you start going into mcdonald's rather than relying on your <laughs> your, your kind of traditional nutrition so, uh, McDonald's. Yeah. It's a bit of a weird one because um I had one on the second day in the afternoon because it was really hot and like um my pacer was like, What do you want? I was like, I don't know, really fancy a Coke. He's like, I'm gonna go to McDonald's and then I went, Can I have a filet of fish please? <laughs> if you're going there anyway, can I get a filet of fish please? Um but um yeah, so I started with that, but that was that was the only yeah that was the only filet of fish I had. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really hot day, and then I think he had an ice cream and stuff. So I was like, oh, looks good. Um, yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't the tantrum that I had because that was still like <laughs> quite subdued. Like it was just like oh well, since you're going there, I'll have it anyway. But um, the last fifty k because I wrecked it, I knew that the start of the last fifty k was a McDonald's. And um, I don't know if you've looked at the map, you know, the Lee Reservoir at yeah. the top. So I, I knew you had to cross that reservoir to get to the McDonald's. And for some reason, it took forever to get to that McDonald's. So my poor friend, I don't know if you know this guy called Harold. Um, you must Harold Webber. Yeah, if you do that. Like He's a lovely guy, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that was him. And then I was like, Harold, 
I know this is McDonald's here, and like it's 50k to go, and it's way too much. Like, oh, and then started like bawling. And then he was like, I don't know what to do. So, <laughs> That's just when he first met you for the year. No, no, his... no, I know Harold from work. Like, we used to work together like since 20, 20, mm, 2012, maybe? No, yeah, 2012 actually. So, yeah, we've known each other quite a while now. So, yeah, I chose like friends that I knew really well at the end because. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. So I knew like if I kicked off or like told them to go away or like to shut up, they would just be like, carry on. Like, yeah, tough love. So, um, yeah, so there was Harold and then I was like, Harold, there's supposed to be a McDonald's here. Like, we've only, we've got 50k to go. I'm going to go over, blah, 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 blah. Um, so yeah, so I had a breakdown and <laughs> he was like, the McDonald's is there. The McDonald's is there. But we didn't actually go into the McDonald's. All I wanted to know was where this McDonald's was so that I knew it was 50k from there to my flat. So, <laughs> yeah, run, there's a running joke about me and McDonald's because I had a video of fish earlier. And then, like, um, Ammon took photos because he thought it was funny that I was having a video of fish. There must have been at least 32 McDonald's because everywhere wow. we turned, there was a McDonald's. So, and, um, and it's, um, you said you fell apart a couple of times. Do you think that was something that, that could have been avoidable if you were to, to try it again? Or do you think that's just part of doing I, such a long challenge? I think part of it was my inexperience. Like, I've never gone over, like, 24 hours. And also partly, like, I need to control that chimp a bit more. Because, like, on the first night, like, when we lost so much time, like, I think mentally I... I had already slightly given up and like, I was just like, you know what, I can't be bothered anymore. I'm just going to like finish it and just shut up. Like, But I think all of that is experience, isn't it? Because I think not many people within the first two years of them starting out will go and say, actually, you know what, I'm going to go out for a 300k run. <laughs> so, yeah. And and how did you find you, you did you sleep on, the, on at any point and how did you find you reacted? In, in a, was it different to how you reacted when you were tired in the hundred? Uh, so I tried to sleep because I think Peter said to me, like, you're going to be tired, so like, try and catch a nap when you can. So when I felt tired, I thought, okay, I'm going to try and sleep now. But I just couldn't turn off because uh, I hadn't planned my logistics well enough, I don't think. So I was constantly worried, like, have I got enough like head torch battery? Have I got enough food? Have I got enough water? Like, when I think I could have avoided that, quite easily if i had briefed matt a bit more thoroughly before i set off like if i said like look when i stop i just want to do this 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 or like pack things in a better way so that we don't have to be rummaging around like trying to find change of clothes or whatever so yeah i think a lot of it's down to a lack of experience and yeah whereas other people have done like fkts with like you know just not wasted any time like it just seems like they They've like packed everything really well and like thorough mm. briefing for all the crew and like having two bags so that you know you don't waste any time like trying to fill a bottle, waiting for the bottle to be filled and then going. Whereas I think some people they have two packs and then so while one pack's being filled, no, as in so when you reach the car, you drop the pack and pick up a new pack. So it's just little things like that because if you stand around and wait for like bottles to be filled you just you're just going to be fall into the temptation of just sitting in the car which isn't good because you get cold and then you don't want to move um so you end up wasting more time 
we've got a, quite a few questions from the do badders um okay. about some of them some of them are serious some of them less so um some of them are serious like with literally a, a very small percentage are serious <laughs> as per usual well for a classic one for example from Naomi is have you ever considered changing your surname now to be more appropriate given that you're uh Alison Walker but um joke a lot so much <laughs> Yeah. Uh, has it ever been funny? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Has, has anyone ever laughed at that? <laughs> no, so all the Malaysians, they just laugh at me because they're like, I don't know why you changed your surname to Walker because, like, you know, you do this running thing and you're like, I don't know, everybody just says Alison Walker runner now. So, so they, didn't, they didn't realize it's related to your husband. It's that they just think you've decided this is rebranding. <laughs> no, they just laugh like, "How come you like? How come you chose a husband with the surname got Walker?" I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, you, don't, you don't choose things like that. So, so um, one question from Richard Gerd is, which hill offers the best views of London? Uh, it will have to be the Hampstead one because you can see the view of London. Um, apparently, Beckton Alps has a very good view, but it's all locked up, so I couldn't go up. Oh no! Have you heard of Beckton Alps? <laughs> I, I've heard of Beckton. I've not heard of Beckton Alps, no. Harold so, uh, tells me that as a child, he learned how to ski there in Beckton. Oh, right. Is there a cross-country there? No. Okay, I'm thinking somewhere else. Wow, so they no, call it Beckton Alps. They, they call it Beckton Alps because, I mean, how steep is it to have a ski slope? And not very, it's not very high, but uh, apparently there's a really nice view of London from Beckton Alps. But yeah, it's all chained up. I tried to go in and couldn't get in. <laughs> I like the fact they actually call it Beckton Alps. So, so yeah, is that the official name now? Put it in Google Maps. <laughs> now, um, quite a few people have asked what your bogeys were like following the uh, the smog rounds. Like, was it as smoggy as you thought? No. <laughs> no, it wasn't too... Uh, I don't know. I didn't look at my bogeys, but yeah. <laughs> and um, what? Which are the worst bits of London from Gavin Laws? Oh, uh, hmm. Don't know. Probably like the Jubilee Greenway never seemed to end. And, have you been down that... the Jubilee Greenway? Um, I think I might have been the part. In East London, it goes past Green Greenwich, doesn't it, up to the the river? No, uh, yeah. So I think the Greenway itself, like it starts from Beckton and goes all the way to the Olympic Park, but it's a really long stretch. Like it just never seems to end. It's all the same, and like there's no shade. It was a really hot day, and I like broke down a few times on there. So yeah, for me that was the worst. I think. <laughs> And um, then one question, because I've, I've always liked the fact that you've, you've really tried to take on the mantle of ultra running uh, in Malaysia, which is, it, it's, what's, what's that relationship like? Because you're, you are a representative now and you're, you're going for lots of Malaysian records, but to a certain extent, you're, you're, you're slightly removed from their running culture because you've, you've started doing this all, all this ultra training in, in the UK. Like, how has that been useful to you and, and do you feel that you you can inspire in it in a country that you're not based in well yeah i think that's that's a bit difficult because um yeah well i didn't even know like there were there were like I, well i didn't even know like there were there was a running culture to begin with um and i kind of picked up running independently mm -hmm. from
from the Malaysian culture. There is a big ultra community, like huge. Like you wouldn't even think that it would be that big, but it is huge. And like they, like when pre-COVID, they had races every single week. And you're like, I don't know how these people like race every week. Um, but yeah, since I did that hundred miler, and like I guess a few people saw it, and like um, lots of people have like started reaching out to me, uh, and. Um, yeah, it's a bit weird, like in the sense that I've never met these people, but they're always like really supportive of me. Um, so I think some of the older, older ultra runners who did ultra running before was cool. Um, yeah, so they've been in touch and like been really supportive and um, been invited back to like uh, this race, which obviously didn't happen this year because of covid um which was the cameron ultra i don't know if you've heard of it it's like it's 100k with like 5,000 meters of gain or something ridiculous like that um and yeah that that i think the race organizers had invited uh both me and matt back to um like try and like introduce me to the community but obviously like that that's now been postponed slash i don't know when it's going to happen um so I think the actual, I think the Asian champion of, um, or certainly one of the champions of Chris's, Chris van der Velde's Asian series, um, I think she's Malaysian. Uh, is that Tahira? Yes, that's right, Tahira, yes. Yeah, so um, yeah, we've been in touch and like, we've, we've been chatting and stuff, so yeah, uh, yeah, it's really weird because I've been having all these like meaningful chats with people, but like not met them but they're all like really supportive and like being really like friendly and um there's this there's this old guy who's like done all the like um races you can think of like Tordigions, like utmb everything like they've, they've just sort of, like done everything um but yeah it's, it, it's a it's quite a big community over there but also quite small in the sense that everyone knows everyone mm. um but and, they seem like a really nice bunch so yeah, looking forward to meeting them actually. And and now that you've you've done this this big challenge, which is you know, significantly longer than the hundred, assuming that we can go back to some kind of normality and that we're not all having to do FK, FKTs because of lack of races, do you, do you see your future in going for things like hundred milers or Spartathlons or going for these really really long FKTs? I, I still don't know actually. I've got Gloucester twenty four next month. Um just wanna try and correct the errors of tooting um last year. Um and then I think I'm gonna have a bit of a re reevaluation because now that we're kind of moving up north and like being able to like access all these trails, like I just don't really know but I know that um, I think my coach basically said like you're very good at like just running and then turning off so if you don't have to think about navigation or anything like, he said mm. like, you can, that's kind of your strength which I think he's probably right um, so I don't know I think I'm still in that discovery stage where I don't actually know what I want to do but I'm just happy to try everything out like I signed up for the canal slam next year so we'll see um there's the Grand Union Canal the KACR and the LLCR wow okay so yeah even one of those is is a huge undertaking yeah but at least I, I would know where I'm going I think um so yeah so I think definitely I, I'm not very good at the shorter ultras like 50k or whatever 
Um, like, I just haven't got the speed. Like, you're constantly battling with girls who can run sub three hour marathons, and here I am. I've only got a three seventeen. Like, there's a big, there's a big gap, and I can't, I can't. I mean, without you know taking time off from ultras and training mm. for for quick things like and that's not what i enjoy like i enjoy just going out for the whole day and just like running all day rather than killing myself on the track like oh 800s 400s like 2k like no so yeah i don't know so and i think a lot of this is kind of depending on what covid does as well because initially my plan for next year was to do um, Boston because I finally got a Boston qualifier and then doing comrades but I don't think that's going to be very likely looking at how things are panning out at the moment. Congratulations on on the FKT and um, it's great to see someone who's come into the scene and, and been so successful so quickly and, and it's clearly got so much passion for it. Um, have, you, have you got any other questions JD? No, no, I, I think we've covered them all. We covered the important bogey one, so that's... <laughs> and, if, and if people want to get in touch or to, to follow your journey, what, what's the best way? Are there any social media handles that would be good to share? I just use my Instagram mostly because, um, yeah, I, I think the problem with Facebook is um, Asian people love using Facebook and they just, like, yeah, it's just I just had to, like, shut my Facebook down a bit because... Um, <laughs> Like, my dad was like, why aren't you commenting on my posts? I'm like, yeah, dad, I can't see your posts. So, um, I mean, maybe we could follow your dad and, and help you out with that. Mm, no. <laughs> He'd be like, what's my crazy daughter doing right now? Because he, he just doesn't understand. Like, he's just like, I don't understand why she's going out in the middle of the night. Because um, on Saturday, I went out with a friend on the Pennine Way. And, like, we started at 8 p.m. and came back at 2 a.m. Just running in these trails and he's like mm. is it safe i'm like mm, maybe so yeah <laughs> so yeah I often have that's to, what a like, dad wants to hear maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> facebook because he's not on instagram like i can like manage my my content and just like selectively put stuff on so um, yeah um well, good yeah. luck with um good luck with your future endeavors and oh, you didn't mention what your handle was on instagram uh, I think it's like underscore Alison Walker underscore I think, but yeah, I, I would I would love to like go back to the beer marathon one year uh, when it comes back. I think that yeah. was fun. Hopefully, I mean that that fingers crossed is going to be our our joint hen and stag do if they set a date, but who knows um, at the moment. But well, oh, thanks wow. so much it's for coming. Our joint and, and hen and stag do. <laughs> you, you and Claire. Yeah, you and Jody. Yeah. We say our. You're going to remember. <laughs> Claire's not actually on this call. You'll be there, JD. You'll be <laughs> there. Be I know. There. But will I be? Will I be part of the Hindu or will I be part of the Stag Do? Oh well, I mean, you've got you've got free choice on the clothes, so I'll leave that in your in your court. But um, I can't thank, wait for the fancy dress. Yeah, it's going to be big. That is that is for sure. Not as big as your mileage, but um, but thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And if there's anything no we can do to to help you in the future, then please let us know. Oh. oh, I just I, really, that, it's one of those ones where you're speaking to someone for for something they've done, but actually all the information they've imparted um, that's not related to it is actually really, really useful. Like her training, how she's gone from being 
an ultra runner, not being an ultra runner, going from that club background and then almost taking a club approach to ultra running by someone who is a, a, a great you know, marathon uh, trainer and has applied um, uh, some of those techniques in order to make her into a great ultra runner. It's really interesting. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's partly why I wanted to get her on as well, because it's the, the, the ultra scene in London is not that big, especially within club runs. Why not when it's just so many? It's, it's like Lake District. Uh, in central London, <laughs> yeah, all the peaks, <laughs> all the peaks of Shoreditch High Street, yeah, exactly. and why is, why is, <laughs> there, why is there not a big, bigger fell running scene? <laughs> <laughs> but the but that that's the thing. You if you you're so embedded, a lot of people like you know like I have been and and like Alison was, you, you're you're embedded, embedded in your club, and have, you know we're social beings, so you do the races that everyone else does, and you yeah. you you link into the training plans they're following and. You, you're having conversations about things in common, and so actually, it's not often that you get someone who kind of you, you do get people who'll do the odd ultra as just something to try. But Alison really struck me in this past eighteen months as being someone who's just absolutely dived into the water. And how do you know that? Is that by look by following her on Strava or or, or something else? How how do you know that? Just just from just almost osmosis. It's it's we we do see each other every now and then um, because if once you know someone in the London community, running community, you you do often meet them at races or you'll have people in, and we've just got a huge number of friends in common now as well. Yeah, no, but, no, 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 but, but, but she's been running. So how have you met her? Oh, good point. <laughs> good point. <laughs> well... Yeah, um, but we're Facebook friends as well. So, and that's, oh, I see. That, so, yeah, say so Facebook. Okay, that's all you had to say. That's all you had to say. That too. That, but that, that's what's really interesting is we, we mentioned it earlier. There is that conflict where whenever she's – people are clearly intrigued by how she's up to mileage so quickly. That's really fascinating, isn't it? Because actually it's almost as though she's found a coach who's not inhibited by – um, a previous uh, by a knowledge of building up to ultras he's, he's mm. taken his approach he's been very specific with what he's seen in her and in six I mean that's incredible in six weeks as, as what she said beasted her to a point where she has been able to run something <laughs> to qualify for fucking Spartathlon I mean yeah. like, that I mean, yeah. that is insane. But, <laughs> but do you know what? It fits really neatly into into what we were talking about before uh, a couple of episodes again about actually throwing expectations of training out the window. And mm. you know, people people do different things. People have different ways of training. And uh, you know, as long as you stay injury free, which should always be the, the the key part of it. If you if you have a, a plan that's tailored by a coach who is experienced and knows what they're doing, mm. then really it's quite arbitrary as to how much time it should take to build up to that because it, i think you know if out of common sense we say well you know if you've never run a you know 100k before or 100 mile and stuff like that you know it's going to take a good few months to build up enough conditioning and, and that kind of stuff but in six weeks to get ready to yeah. essentially take on a you know from a from uh, someone that you know wasn't a sub four marathon runner to to be able to go what sub 22 on a uh, on that, it's insane. Yeah, it's and, and yeah, and I, I guess you need that someone with that experience because he might not have experience of necessarily how each really long training run will 
what will react to, and how she'll respond to it. But as she was saying, he'd be able to just look at how she was running and her yes, form. Exactly. And and I remember when we we interviewed Liz McColgan and Liz Liz was saying that it got to the point her relationship with I think her then coach that he knew by the sound of her running whether she was fit or whether she was tired just for I think it was Liz who said that um, just because he became so in, attuned to how like her, her running form and, and therefore the the weight she'd be putting through her feet and um, depending on tired she was um and so that's it isn't it you can you can just take these huge bounds if you've got this pair of gloves that understands when you're tired when you need to back off um and and also what i like about it is she's she's been going for these training for these ultras and everyone seems to have this thought in their head that if you train for an ultra you get slower and you're like well she's gone from she said 317 there in the marathon within 18 months of training for ultras and so you know she's she's absolutely shot up in speed um without focusing on that so that's something else i think for peter to be aware of um and and, and the other thing i thought was really interesting there which uh, it's been alluded to a lot but actually you know we are talking about someone who's doing 100 mile weeks but someone who actually has a job as well Mm. And we've spoken to a lot of like professional athletes or athletes who uh, may not be professional, but they spend a lot of their time running. And so it, it, it's OK for them to do it. But she has to fit this around it. And she's still doing 100 boys and actually building that in to her, her, her daily commute. And I suppose it is much easier in London because mm. you have, it's quicker to run. Um, and it's flatter. And, you know, that, that's obviously much easier. Like if I decided, OK, I wanted to run to Brighton. That would be hellish. That yeah. would be a hellish experience to do that from where I am if I wanted to do it every day. Yeah, it's, and the, the, the fact is you've got a grid system of roads in London, so you're always going to find a route. You've got to find a route. You can extend the route quite easily. You can shorten it quite easily. You're, you're never going to suffer from not having any water or, or if mm. it gets too bad, you can just jump on a bus. It, it, there is a, there's a certain flexibility that actually makes it great for, for mm. doing that. Although you, you know, obviously you you pay for that in the sense that it's incredibly boring, incredibly polluted, and incredibly busy. But <laughs> apart from those tiny, tiny aspects, <laughs> and then that's the thing about the her taking under this, un, undertaking this FKT is that day we decided we wanted to go and do the Bob Graham rounds, we could go and potentially do a Killian where we just turn up and we have a lovely time with people as our tour guides to uh, to a new course record yeah. no, 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 no. but um but with with the smog smog gray around there's never going to be a, a a way in which someone can can do it with a set route and know when do they need to go to that golf club or to consider these because it's just too long and it's too far away from anyone's community because you're not going to have people who well, that's the thing. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because that's exactly what London is like. It's a series of boroughs. London mm. is a series of, I mean, that's the, people think of London, if you don't live in London, you think of London as this homogenous thing. It's a series of villages, basically, isn't it? I mean, not even within mm. a borough, there are, you know, if I think about Haringey, where I used to live, 
I would say that you, it's a series of villages that don't really massively interact with each other. Like, you know, you've got, yeah. you've got like Highgate and Muswell Hill and Wood Green and you know, completely different places where, where you, you kind of live in this little bubble and you, you, you get the, you know, the bus there or you get the tube there and you, you sort of interact with it. And so, like you see, someone from like West London coming out to East London hasn't got a clue. Someone from you know yeah. North London coming out down south to, to and you're still thinking you're, you're like, still what? thinking of yeah that's thing you're still using central London terms and actually it the the places she mentioned are so insanely far out that, that there's probably not that many runners who would run in those areas that would be linked to anyone in the London club or in, in the running community. And if there was, the likelihood of finding people in all 32 is just never going to happen. It's interesting, isn't it? It's really interesting. I'm, I'm intrigued by a smog Graham road, actually. I think it's a, because you just think more. The thing is, I think you realise when something like that, I didn't realise it was, it was all 32 boroughs, but you realise something like that, how green London is. Like, mm. it, you know, very, very quick. Like, I think, what is it, 50% on on road, 50% on, you on know, trail. green and everything. Is that? Yeah. And you realise just how, just how green it is and just how rural it can get at some points. But there is one thing I hate, and I think this is a generic hatred. We haven't talked about this, and this should be a new... It, it, golf courses are absolutely <laughs> infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. And, how, and many, how many times have you... Have you like been running? You having a nice run, and you've got to run a weird way through a golf course, avoiding yeah, you know, because they built a golf course across a footpath, but they still mm. allowed the footpath through it. Yet you are at risk of being hit at any point by a golf ball. So it's kind of like, well, it's not really a right of way if there's a threat that I can get hit by a, a projectile. And also, you're made to feel as if you're, yeah, you're intruding. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And you're like, no, no, I know. Like, you have built on a footpath. That is not allowed. Yeah, yeah. That's um, like going, oh, yeah, there's a train track across here that could come by at any moment. But, you know, you can, you, you can walk across whenever you want, whenever you want. You wouldn't be able to do, you wouldn't be able to put a motorway through there. You'd have to build something around it that would protect you. But for some reason, golf courses, there's no protection afforded for you. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. I mean, and what's nice, actually, she mentioned Beckton, but in Beckenham, They've actually t- taken back the golf course and turned it back into public land. All the trails are returning. Um, but do you, do you think? I mean, do you think this is going to be broken? This this record? It's it's quite it's a hard one to do, isn't it? And I don't I think, think it's, it's lots. There's lots. Of, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? There's a, a lot of the London routes have, um, are starting to gain a little bit more prominence. I mean, like, who the fuck even knew what the Jubilee Greenway was? Until, <laughs> oh, I mean, literally until like a few months ago. Like, yeah. it's, an, it's the FKT that no one cares about. It's the, the LSE of FKTs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, I mean, there are so many made-up routes now, isn't there? Like, oh yeah, it's a, it's it's where the Queen Moon walked backwards over the grave of Diana yeah. and the route that she took, or what, you know. I mean, there's so many, like, they're just, they're kind of, like, ridiculous, aren't they? But there are so many new kind of routes and stuff being invented. And I absolutely love the fact there are routes being invented, but it's like, mm. to create FKTs on them, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and I can't imagine many people ever taking this on again, because it's just too far for how weird and how complex it is. Well, Dubanis, what do you think? Is that something you can you see that coming to your city, an equivalent? Ah, oh, because the good thing is London, 
London's a very big city. So actually, I can see FKTs like this taking off in smaller cities around the world where actually you're not going to have to run 300 kilometers, but you're maybe doing an 80, 100, 120. Um, but let us at badboyrunning.com, if you think you can create one in your city, what would it be and what would you call it? And this, um, might be, this might be something, actually, this might be quite a good thing for the um, uh, regional reps to, uh, to sort out. Yeah. Yeah, come although, up with your own FKTs. Although I was having a chat with Dan about the regional reps, and it turns out that there is a huge gap, a huge gap between, like, north of Birmingham all the way up to Edinburgh, where we don't have, like, any regional reps. The BBR's not represented in the north. I mean, in some that's they're all locked down in COVID, aren't they, at the moment? But... Um, <laughs> Well, during COVID is the perfect time to do FKT. So if you're a BBR, if you're a BBR listener and you want to join the club, we're absolutely looking for reps in those areas. Yeah. And and if you're from a city, even if you're on the club, just email us your ideas for FKTs. They could be along the ideas of the Barclay Marathons or the Smog Graham round. Um, Well, if you've enjoyed that episode, ones we'd recommend... We spoke to Will Rao, who also was with uh, Run Fast. He was really interesting because he basically told us way too much, uh, more than he should have done, about managing the second-tier African runners who come over to win things, the smaller marathons, basically, across Europe and live off the prize money. Um, who else did we mention? We mentioned Joe Dale, who talked to us about physio, recovery, and injuries. Liz McColgan, that's a great one. She's talking about training, yep. how to train hard. Um, I'm trying to think about other people that have switched over to ultras uh, and have taken a, an unusual path to it, but I can't, I can't think of that many in a very similar situation to Alison. Yeah, I mean, Damien Hall was an interesting switch, but for, for the almost the opposite reasons, that he was actually a long-distance walker. And so even now, him and Jasmine Paris, two episodes where they'll still go out and instead of training in the way you'd expect, they'll spend quite a few days just hiking and that will be their training for when they race. There's a really interesting thing I want to talk to you about this. Remind me on the next podcast to talk about um, the, the, the people that have like multidiscipline sports and their success in it because there, there is a, there's a book out at the moment which focuses on this, which I think would be really interesting to talk about. Epic. Well, we'll uh, we maybe we'll talk about that in the intro to this. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be really confusing. It'll be like Tenet. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about afterwards the thing that we talked about before. Yeah. There's not, not a thing you can do about it, listen. <laughs> well, I really like that. Um, but thanks for listening, guys. If you've liked this episode, please do rate and review us. It really helps us get future guests if there's anyone specific you'd like us to get on, then you can email me, David, at Bad Boy Running, or tag me in the Facebook group with a suggestion. And if we think they're good, we'll go out and get them for you. Um, anything you'd like to throw out there, J.D.? No, if you want to join the Facebook group, just head on to Facebook, type in Bad Boy Running Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Bad Boy Running, or Instagram, Bad Boy Running Podcast. Um, leave us as many reviews as you can. Absolutely. So we'll see you next time, guys. See you later. Bye 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 bye
Yes, and give me one more try Cause a love like this Should I never ever die Come back Fuck you, buddy